0: Welcome to Northern Gold, a football podcast from Evening Express and Pressing and Journal. I'm Ryan Criall, and joining me today are Callum Law, Danny Law and Sean Wallace. How are we folks?
1: Very well, All thank you. Thanks,
2: Ryan. I'm good, thank you.
0: So, uh, not much has changed in Aberdeen world this week. Um, unfortunately, they failed to score again at the weekend. Again, 0-0 draw at home to St Mirren, which means the pressure is still on the boss Denny McInnes, that's five games now without a goal. I think it's, what, two wins in 11, correct me if I'm wrong, correct? Aye, one win in nine.
2: Yeah, I think it is. Aye. So,
0: obviously, that'll be pretty much the only thing we can talk about today because Ross County's game was postponed, as was Cali Thistles, and the lower leagues are still off. But, first of all, Sean, you were there. What do you, what do you have to say about the Aberdeen-Sitmerren game? <laughs> Not much, it was pretty poor fear in the wind, wasn't it?
2: It oh, was brutal, <laughs> in terms of the weather and the fair on show. Uh, I think the, the stadium announcer is going to have to start playing "I Got You Babe" by Sonny, you know Sonny and Cher, because it is—it's becoming like a depressing Groundhog Day watching Aberdeen. The only thing is, at least you got a couple of laughs in Groundhog Day. <laughs> There's nothing to cheer me up or warm me up. It's oddy and Saturday.
0: Can we put a few positives to start with then before we get into the obvious negatives that we talk about every week? They don't really change. But firstly, before the game, we'd we'd talked about Aberdeen potentially needing to move to four at the back. They did move to four at the back, um, despite the unpredictable uh, bounce of the ball and the flight of the ball and things like that and the conditions. It seemed to be pretty solid. That'd be fair to say.
2: Yeah, definitely. I thought the back four did really well and switching the four definitely made a big difference. It just seemed like more solidity with them. There was no nervousness at the back. And that was despite, I mean, trying to judge the flight of the ball must have been it just a lottery. It was like chasing a balloon in a hurricane. The the, the wind whipping in off the North Sea was ridiculous. But I mean, the, the four defenders did well. Tommy Hoban won nearly every header. And apart from an early shot, I think it was from Flynn about five minutes in. Joe Lewis didn't have much to deal with, so four at the back, definitely the way forward. I would say
0: there was um, there was a debut for Florian Camberi. Obviously, he finally got his work permit, having signed two weeks before on deadline day, on loan from St Gallen in Switzerland. He he looked lively. I would say perhaps more so early early on, but that might the issue might have been the fact that he wasn't getting the ball as much. The ball wasn't coming near him as much. Be he wasn't afraid to have a shot in the first half and he yeah, he seemed to, seemed to link up play pretty well um, in that opening period.
2: Uh, he was definitely a positive from the game. I mean, would you consider he hadn't played since mid-December and post-match, he admitted he, he did no football training for two weeks and he only met up with the Don's team for his first training session on even eve of the match. I thought he slotted in very well. His movement was good, link-up play. As good so as I want to suggest that he could be the difference. I mean, much in a way, Marley Watkins winked sort of up the play before he got his injury and had to go back to Bristol City. So, although it was a, a hard watch, there is positives to take from the game. And I mean, Camberry, not only can he wink up the play, he, he can deliver goals as well. I mean, he scored nine last season, twelve the season before. So. And it looks like he's not going to be that thing, Rusty. So fingers crossed, he ends the gold out with Parkhead.
0: Well, we'll see. Anyway, so the negatives then. <laughs> Obviously, said,
2: there were still some, I said negatives. some doubt in your voice.
0: Yeah, I, uh, I personally felt that Matty Kennedy didn't have the greatest game. He was struggling a little bit. I think with. Again, just the same stuff. Getting to the byline, the crosses weren't that accurate. I think I read a piece by you Sean that said there were only two two crosses across the whole game that were judged to be like dangerous, high quality crosses. Yeah. Um I thought Fraser Hornby at times looked pretty isolated as well and his touch like at times let him down. Um Niall McGinn as well had a sort of horrible moment where he, he obviously asked for for his chance before the game. A ball, a big ball at the top. I think it was slightly wind affected. Finds it, finds him in behind the Simmer in defence, and instead of controlling it, he sort of stood on the ball, fell over, and the ball sort of trickled out of play, which is a bit of a shame for him. But the the clear issue is that that, that there's still not the chances being created for the strikers, and if you don't create chances, you're not going to score, are you? Yeah,
1: I mean, obviously, this is why this is why the I mean the the absence of Ryan Hedges and and Scott Wright just now is being so keenly felt because they were the two players this season that have provided that spark of creativity um, I mean obviously da- a- a- Aberdeen have brought in a few forwards but it's it's getting the ball to them creating that I mean I think there was a lot of people have been asking for now McGinn to get a bit more license to be in the team and be creative um, but I mean by the reports and by the footage that I saw that didn't really seem to have as much of an impact as as was hoped um, so and it'd be it'd be very difficult against um, Celtic as well because, I mean, the chances are going to be few and far between, you would expect, at Celtic Park. So any time that they do get into the opposition third, they're going to have to be um, a bit more ruthless and, and have that bit more creativity than what they've shown. I mean, against a team like saint Mirren, that are going to be sort of more happy to come up to Potaudry, sit in and try and defend for 90 minutes and either try and like, claim a goal on the break or... Um, depart with a nil-nil, which they did, they're going to be quite happy with doing that. So, I mean, that is the type of game where you would be looking for um, the likes of that Hedges and right partnership to come to the fore and um, go past the defender to try and open up a bit of space. Um, but that didn't happen. But that's, I mean, that's been the, the big issue for, for Aberdeen for um, for quite a while now. And um, it'll be interesting to see how they, um, how McInnes manages to, you um, to add that little bit more creativity into the side because it's what it's what they're badly lacking.
3: As someone who sat here last week and uh, advocated Neil McGinn's inclusion against St Mirren, I don't think you can just uh, dismiss dismiss uh, his contribution uh, after one game. When that chance, when I saw that chance, I was really hoping, just purely from a personal, selfish perspective, that he would score that, just so I could say that I was vindicated. But I think you've got to. Uh, stick with him again. I, I don't. I don't think there's a a great deal of other options, particularly if you play him. I'd again. I'll say it again. Play him in the number ten position. Uh, Offer of either one or two strikers. I'd imagine it'll just be a, the single striker at Parkhead. But Donna, you mentioned Ryan Hedges and Scott Wright, and their absence now. But let's be realistic. Aberdeen have been struggling to create chances for two months now. When Ryan Hedges and Scott Wright were both in the team, uh, Aberdeen have still, uh, in recent times, been struggling to create chances. I don't think that's, can their absence is uh, entirely the root of the problem. But I do I do still think, however, that, that McGinn could potentially be the man if he I mean, when was the last time he started before before Saturday? Can he's due a game, in my opinion, to to play himself in potentially.
1: Yeah, I mean, I do I do think that you need to um, I mean to give McGinn. I mean, I do think McGinn's probably the one that can provide that bit more creativity because he's the type of player that can see a pass. Um, I mean, cambo- Camberry seems to be um an an exciting addition. I mean, he he seemed to be one of the the few positives at the weekend. But I mean, I was surprised that. Um, he got 90 minutes at the weekend and that makes me wonder whether will he be able to to go another full 90 minutes. Will he be able to start against Celtic or will it just be the case of him perhaps coming in as a an impact substitute instead or to try and maybe get 60 minutes out of him against Celtic Park. But given that he was one of the, the few positives along with, I guess, Dean Campbell, um, I, I was surprised that he stayed on as long, although you can understand why. Uh McInnes did that because he maybe looked like one of the most likely outlets of, of getting a goal for Aberdeen. But um, I, I think that might come at a cost for how many minutes he can play at Celtic Park on Wednesday night.
2: I think the other concern is this isn't a new thing. I mean, it's an almost identical situation to last season when they went five games without scoring. Uh I mean, they've tried a number of formations, different combinations of strikers, and still the goals won't come. Hopefully, Camberry is the answer. But, I mean, as Derek McKinnis said after the game, they've got no real time to bed in. It's You've got to hit the ground running and start scoring now. And that begins at Celtic. Although it's going to be a hell of an ask because Celtic have back in form, four wins on the bounce and scored 12 ga- yeah, goals.
0: Just that that stat you mentioned there, Sean, um, the, the fact that this yeah. has happened twice in two seasons, and I think before that, apart from once in the 70s, those are the only three occasions it's happened in something like 117 years for the Dons to go, yeah, five 19- games. 1905. Without, yeah, so, I mean, there's obviously a sort of McInnes out lobby at the moment. Um, it's hard to tell, as we've said previously, how much of the fan base... Are, Kind of of that inclination, but I mean that's the fact that it's happened twice in two years is about as clear a clear a sign of the fact that things haven't been going well for the last couple of years as you could possibly have. Yeah,
2: I I still think it's too premature for McInnes to be axed. I, 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 it's it's not the the popular uh, perception at the moment, but I've got a degree of sympathy for McInnes. I mean they've been hit by a lot of bad injuries this season. And he's also had to sell like, the, the spine of his team this season. He's lost a Scotland international centre-back. Once Scott McKenna was sold to the Nottingham Forest, they did begin to look a lot more shaky at the back. Then he's had to sell the Scott Wright, who's thriving in that number 10 role, probably their main creative player. Hedge is out injured. And then they've sold Sam Cosgrove. I know Cosgrove hasn't delivered this season. But I mean, he he was coming back from a long-term injury and he is a player that had scored more than 40 goals in about 100 games. So the potential was there for him to to deliver goals. And I mean, it's a big hit for a manager to go through that.
0: Do you see, though, and this is open to everyone, do you see a way back to a McInnes team that is, from this position we're in at the moment, a McInnes team that is as good as the McInnes team are... 2017 say? Do you think Do you think there's still a way back to that sort of level or does it feel to you like, I don't know, the end of a chapter shall we say?
3: I don't think you can say I'd, already and I'll say it, say it now, I don't think you can say that the team of this season can be as good or is as good or will be as good as a team of 2016-17 when they reached two cup finals and finished second in the league because can Aberdeen aren't realistically now third is the best they can finish in the league. The Scottish Cup, well, we don't know what's going to happen, but that's not really that's not really Aberdeen's fault. But and they were knocked out of the league cup at an early stage. So I mean, can th- uh, it's not like to me. I don't see anything this season that you're going to get back to that sort of level. I mean, they can still end the season positively and uh, finish third, but um, to, it's can it's. Difficult to see. They need something to spark a change and a turnaround in their fortunes, and maybe a positive result against Celtic at Parkhead can be that. But right sitting here right now, it's difficult to see where that comes from.
2: I mean, you need progression, and the last couple of seasons have shown there's been no progression. I mean, they finished fourth the last two campaigns, they're currently sitting fourth. They've got a a battle to to jump ahead of Hibs to get that third spot. I'm not saying it's beyond them. I mean they're well they're capable of doing it, but there's nothing in the last eleven games delivers like a strong argument to suggest they are going to go on a run a win and run and overcome Hibs. Yeah, I just think you need that progression, and I haven't seen it in the last couple of seasons, and that is a concern. But it can't all be laid at the door of Derek McInnes.
1: I think, I mean, I think as well, you've got to, I mean, I mean, there's a, there has been a lot of um, bad luck towards Aberdeen this season in terms of injuries to players. Um, They've, because of the coronavirus pandemic, um, they've had to sell some of their main assets this season to bring money into the club to keep things going. And um, I mean, in terms of the, the deadline day, I mean, they've taken in three Lone players who haven't been playing um a lot of football recently as well and um while you hope that at least one of them is going to come in and hit the ground running I mean it's it's um it's it's likely that that's maybe not going to be the case if, if players haven't played too many games and and also I mean even even things like the fact that because we've got no fans going to games just now um I mean for when aberdeen play away from home in like a lot of the games in the central belt, I mean, I do think that the away Aberdeen support, as noisy as they are, and that backing that they bring, I mean, must bring an extra level of performance out of the, um, the Aberdeen players when they're away from home. And I'm sure that's a big miss when they go to play um, these away games. So, I mean, it's a, I mean, it's obviously the strangest um, season that that there's ever been, and there's going to be, um, I guess, negative consequences as a, as a result of that. And, and I think as well, when when that happens, the problem Aberdeen have had is that they haven't really been able to. Um, bar the kind of the good start at the start of the season, but once they've gone into this like negative spiral, they've they found it very difficult to um, to get out of that. So, but there has been, um, I mean, they haven't had, I guess, too much good luck this season. But I mean, there's obviously the argument as well that, that you make your own luck too.
0: I suppose what I was getting at was the fact that perhaps even if they do get a few good results and string a few wins together, even for the end of the season, there is there's very much a sense to me that were in this sort of death spiral of the McInnes era, I suppose. Um, the Celtic game. The Dons, obviously, because Hibbs's game at Ross County was off at the weekend, postponed, because of a frozen pitch, it kind of acted as Aberdeen's game in hand on third place Hibs. Because they drew with St Marin, they're four points behind Hibs, and because Hibs aren't playing in midweek, and Aberdeen are, playing at Celtic, that means that Aberdeen could potentially end Wednesday night Playing one, having played one game more than Hibs and still being four points behind them, they can't. They can't really afford for that to be the case, can they? Would you say
1: it's going to be a big ask to get something at Celtic Park because Celtic, all of a sudden, the last few games are starting to look a bit more like the Celtic team mm-hmm. that you'd have expected to have appeared this season. And Odson Edward I think, has scored in six games in a row. So it's. I mean, it's obvious that he's going to be the the danger man that Aberdeen will have to stop on Wednesday night. But I mean, we've. I mean, we've seen for so many years now how how difficult it it is for for any visiting team really to go to Celtic Park this this season. Perhaps be one of the exceptions, um, but I mean, I think it, it's a, it's going to be a, a tall ask for um, Aberdeen to get something. But it's not beyond them, I and mean, I don't think that you know finishing third this season um, is is also beyond them. They're they're still right in that fight just now, but they need to turn things around and and turn things around quickly. And obviously, even a um, a positive performance, um, if not a, a result, could be something that acts as a bit of a springboard, a confidence booster ahead of um, a big game against Comarnac on Saturday. But I mean, it would be unexpected if Aberdeen were to take something. But I mean, Celtic's form has been patchy this season, and while they have been good, the um, I mean, Celtic have done that where they've put a few results together and then all of a sudden just turned in a, a terrible performance. So Aberdeen will be hoping that's the case on Wednesday night.
2: The beauty of sport is it's always got the potential to throw up unexpected results. I mean, just look at Josh Warrington at the weekend. I mean, Aberdeen can get the win, but it's going to be, I mean, it's going to be some task to do it. But if they can, I mean, it could be the catalyst that kickstarts the the, the remainder of the season. They've still got nine games left to somehow turn this around and get that third spot.
0: I take it you think then that, even the games, there's enough games even after the Celtic game that third won't be beyond them no matter what happens.
1: Yeah, yeah definitely. I mean, they've still got. I mean, Hibernian to play again uh, post split. Um, they've they've got. I mean, they've got these a couple of games against um, Celtic to come. But I mean, the other games that I mean, obviously they've. A difficult game against um, Rangers to come post-split as well, but no, there's. I mean, they're still they're still right there in Hibernian as well. Have gone through, um, they've been quite patchy as well. They've had good runs of form. They've made some good signings in in January, um, but, I mean, they've had a tendency that when the pressure comes on, that they've they've had a tendency um, to to struggle to cope with that demands. And I think if Aberdeen were able to um, be um, as long as they're kind of remain close to them, then I think Hibernian would obviously feel that heat down the um, the closing stretch. And um, and it would be a, a challenge for them, I guess, to to cope with that pressure to see it through if they did get themselves into third position. Danny Law counting
0: on a Hibs collapse there for third place to be decided. Um, do you think you kind of touched on it, Danny, previously? But and I don't really like to raise things like luck because it's sort of obviously you can't count on your luck to be in. Um, but do you think it is a touch unlucky that the Dons are meeting Celtic when they are, given some of the other teams in the league and around them have met Celtic when Celtic have been really down on their down on their luck and really struggling? And Aberdeen are going to play them when they're they're back on the upward curve.
2: No, it's got nothing to do with luck.
0: Exactly.
2: That's my short answer. <laughs> <laughs>
3: exactly. I mean, one of these games one of, one of these without wishing to dig up the past one one of these games uh, was was postponed um, because of uh, one of these games at Parkhead was postponed because of COVID related breaches. So I mean, there's no uh, great. De- I believe it was maybe being Celtic's fault. Was it? I think it was golly wasn't it? Went uh, abroad, but can you can't talk. Can talk about luck and things like that with the way fixtures are thrown up. You just got to get on with it, in my opinion.
2: What's not for forget- Aberdeen of going to Parkhead when the chips have been down and people have written them off before and got a win when Andy Considine scored in the last game of the season a few years ago. So, I mean, I wouldn't give up all hope.
0: Okay, so we won't give up all hope then ahead of Wednesday night's game. Next up, we will move on. We'll still be with Aberdeen, but we'll discuss another issue, which has is arisen in the last couple of days. Okay, Q and A gate, folks. So, for those who need to be filled in and don't don't know what's happened, um, Aberdeen last Thursday announced that Dave Cormack would be doing a live Q and A with uh, Don's supporters. Obviously, it's a high pressure time. Um, You'd expect a lot of the questions to be about the managerial situation, about the direction of the club, things like that. However, it was announced on Sunday night that that it would actually be cancelled, um, so that or postponed, should I say? So that um, the chairman wanted to basically keep the focus on the Celtic game, um, on turning Aberdeen's form around on the pitch. We um, don't linger too long on this issue, although fans, some fans, reacted quite angrily to. The organising of it and then the postponement of it. Uh, do we think that maybe Aberdeen made a rod for their own back a little bit
1: with this? Oh, yeah, but I mean, it's a it's a strange one, obviously, because um, I mean this this Q and A was only arranged a few days ago, so it wasn't as though this was something that was planned a long time in advance. Um, so, I mean, I guess they knew that the the Celtic game was going to be taking place the following night, um, but I mean, it's admirable admirable in a sense um, that the clubs wanting to have this transparency and this dialogue with fans and that I'm sure most football uh, supporters would want their club to be doing this sort of thing so that they can get a bit more of a um, an insight into um the reasoning behind certain decisions and um, but I mean clearly the the timing of it just now um perhaps isn't isn't great and um, and 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 I mean, I think to, to organise it, announce it and then postpone it just a, a, a few days later isn't a great look. I mean, it's obviously getting close to that period um, just now where Aberdeen are going to have to go to the fans to ask them to renew season tickets um, for next season. And obviously when the team's not going through a good run of form and when we've had a season where no fans have been able to really, aside from uh, you know 300 uh, on, a, on a lucky occasion, but no fans have really got inside the ground, um, it's it's going to be a tough sell to go to the fans just now and and ask them to um to to buy season tickets again for for next season so i mean that's going to be in the the forefront of um of Dave, Dave Cormack's thoughts just now is um how are they going to be able to to get the the kind of similar numbers to what they achieved last season for season ticket sales i mean the hope would be that come the start of next season there is going to be more of a uh, more more fans inside inside the grounds but um, I imagine that that's the kind of the the longer term picture that that they're looking at in this type of Q and A event is is something to try and um, try and give the the supporters that faith that there is going to be a reason to to um, to buy tickets and that they will get into games again um, and that um, and that what they're going to see is a is a, is a winning in a winning team and, and kind of give them this the the vision of, of of what what the club is is going to be like next season. Um, but yeah, it's not it's it's been a. Um, a strange one, and I guess not not the greatest look to to arrange something and then cancel it or postpone it just uh, just a few days later.
2: I just thought the the timing of it on the eve of the Celtic game, I thought that was wrong, and there was nothing that would have happened in the, the match against Saint Mirren that would have dulled the noise coming from Aberdeen fans about the current state, uh, form, or the situation regarding Derek McInnes. Uh, and I just think that by cancelling it, I mean, the the released a statement last week backing the manager and saying, let's get behind him for the rest of the season. And that was effective and calming the situation. And then by cancelling this, I just feel that they've set up a fresh narrative where now Aberdeen fans are questioning why was this cancelled? Is it because they're set to do something regarding the manager? So I just feel it's like, let a match under it again, which I know wasn't the intention, but I just think it's backfired a wee bit. And I think it's admirable that you are willing to engage with the fans in this way, but I just think when you say that no question is off-limits, then you've got to expect that there will be questions questioning the, the way the club's run, what the plans are for the future the future of the manager, some some questions will probably hit a nerve, but you've got to accept that. And I think to postpone it, it's like Danny said, it's not a good look.
3: I just find it the whole episode bizarre, really, and embarrassing, frankly, because as Sean touched on, I don't know when they announced this on Thursday for the Tuesday night, the night before the Celtic game, the with the way the form had been one win and eight before Saturday, even if Aberdeen I don't know what the thought would change between or what has changed between Thursday and postponing it, because even if Aberdeen had beaten St Mirren five nil on Saturday with a free flowing performance, there would have still have been a lot of questions about the form and about the position of Derek McInnes and can like it or not, that's just what would have happened? So, I just think it to uh, go and do that and make when you come out and say no question is off limits, uh, to then go and cancel it makes it seem like you're not prepared to for what might the questions that might come, or you're not in, in a position to answer them. And I mean, I think all we'll, and I would agree with you is that the sentiment of openness and transparency and communicating with uh, the supporters is uh, some a good thing and we would recognise that. And I know as Sean said, the intention isn't to sort of create more um I suppose speculation and things like that about what the future direction is, but by with the actions they've taken, that's all they've done. And the the message was to get behind the team and get behind Derek McInnes. What's going on over the last few days? I think it just makes de- uh I think it's just made Derek McInnes' job more difficult because it's then started up uh, all this rumor of what might happen. Is the chairman now not prepared to back him? Can will people buy season tickets? It's just ad- added more uh, fuel to a fire that was already burning really in the the last bit of it that i was just going to touch on as well um i found it bizarre mentioning um that there may be distracting media headlines to come out of the um q a because i mean what whatever the headlines don't just appear by my can from nothing what is Whatever they was said in the Q and A, it would be re- reported fairly. And whatever anybody might think, something, whatever anybody in the media says or writes, doesn't directly lead to bad runs of form or a team failing to score a goal in five games. That's in my so, in my opinion, I thought that was a a sort of a b- bit of a bizarre get out or explanation to it from Dave Cormack.
0: Okay, let's move on. Then from the Dons, Ross County, as I mentioned earlier, were in action at the weekend. County's pitch, despite having, I think, the the under much, under under, much, under soil heating on, um, most of the day. Um, it was the, the on Friday the game against Hibs
1: was was called off, um, or was it most of the week, Danny? Do you remember this? It obviously had it on, but I mean the. the- Pitch inspections were only a half an hour apart, and I think as soon as you see that there's a pitch inspection taking place on a Friday, you know that you know that the game's going to be uh, off. There's not many, not many pitches that pass an inspection on a Friday afternoon, unfortunately. Ross County
0: obviously in action on Sunday night against Celtic, um, who will be raging and desperate for, for revenge after losing to Aberdeen in midweek. Um, Callie Thistle there. They suffered, I think, their eleventh postponement um, since Boxing Day at the weekend. They will be hoping to finally get a sort of running of games played. They've got two scheduled for this week. They're at home to Queen of the South on Wednesday night before traveling to Air United on Saturday. Do we have do we have hope for Cali Thistle this week, Danny?
1: Well, I mean we. We do. Um, it sounds from uh, from my sources up in Inverness telling me that the weather's taken a turn for the better. So I think there is optimism that the game might be on. Um, the, the bad news for Cali Thistle is that they've had two quite serious um, injuries in training um, that John Robertson's been talking about today. And that's Aaron Doran, um, who has a suspected um, thigh tear, which doesn't sound too good. And Anthony McDonald, who's just only signed... Uh, Returned to the club last week, and um, and he's um, he was injured in training, um, a, a twisted knee, and it sounds like he's going to be out for quite a while as well. So, I mean, the, they've got quite a small squad as it is, and that's two kind of creative players there that um, that are going to be be missing out. So, I mean, that's that's a real blow. I mean, my concern with Cali Thistle is that I mean they've only played eleven games this season; they're quite a bit behind most of the other teams in the league, and. If they are going to make it into the the playoffs, then they're going to have to p- put a lot of good results together in a short space of time. And then, if they make it to the playoffs, then that's quite a demanding um, run of fixtures as well to put on top of that. So, I mean, this this hectic kind of March and April they've got coming up is um, is also going to dictate where they finish in the league. And it's it's going to be it's going to be difficult for a small squad um, to. Um, but I mean, the 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 upshot of that is that if they manage to get into some good form, then they can rack up the points quickly and and get back up the table, um, to a position more like where they should be than where they are at the moment. But um, but having those two players out, that's a that's a real blow. Uh, it's what you've said there, Danny, about the injuries. It's like the, the worst
3: po- possible like start in Varness for this run, really, is it? I mean, we've spoken plenty about having a. Tight squad before, and even last week, uh, Andy spoke glowingly, you know, about Anthony McDonald coming back to the club and what he could had add, and then having him ruled out instantly. Basically, it's just it makes things more and more challenging, really, for Inverness and John Robertson. and the, I suppose the only maybe positive way to look at the potential. Uh, fixture backlog that they have is that if you have a wee bit of luck in terms of players avoiding injuries and you can start winning games, if you're playing Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday or Saturday, Wednesday whatever it is week after week and you keep winning can confidence and momentum builds up very quickly and you, can, you could storm right up through that championship potentially if you get that momentum built up and the, the belief within the side
0: I think I looked at the the, uh, the championship table the other day and if Cali do go on a, a winning run and win all their games in hand on some of the teams that have played the most games in the division, I think they can go something like second. But obviously, there's a lot of ifs and buts there. Anyway, I think that concludes this week's episode of Northern Goal. Thank you to Callum, Danny and Sean for joining me today. Cheers, guys. Thanks, Thank you. Cheers. If you've uh, enjoyed this week's podcast, you can like and subscribe on your favourite podcast app. You can also email us at northerngoal at dctmedia.co.uk. And finally, enjoy the football, whichever game you're streaming this week. Cheers. Hope you loved the episode. And if you did, we'd be grateful if you could leave us a review or rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to pick up your copies of the Press and Journal and Evening Express every day for the best football writing and analysis in the North.